0: This is Ham College, Episode 42, for June thirtieth, 2018. Ham College is brought to you by ICOM. See how you can make the most out of contest season with ICOM. And by hamstudy.org, a great way to study for your next license exam. welcome to ham college episode forty two i'm Professor thomas and
1: I'm dean martin
0: and we've got another full show tonight for you yep there could be some some buzzer action tonight uh i would i would think there will, there's a
1: really good chance of it so if um, Emil hopefully he's out there because that's his favorite part
0: yeah I'm uh see him. field day was good this year we we didn't get to go to the woods again. Uh, yeah, thunderstorms. Yeah.
1: It, it, the funny thing is the weather was beautiful Saturday and Sunday. Oh, yeah. Well, beautiful. It was hot, sunshine. But it was just terrible Friday. Friday oh, evening. Yeah. It rained so hard. There's no way we could have gotten yeah, set up. It
0: was thunderstorm and we couldn't have got the uh, the campsite set up. So, um, you know, that it just didn't work no. out. Yeah. But we'll try something again next year. We did have a good time, though, operating from the shack here. We set up. Uh well, new antennas, antennas that we don't normally use, so uh Yeah, that worked out pretty well. Yeah, we'll we'll be talking about that in the next amateur logic and uh some some interesting things to talk about there. Yeah. Speaking of interesting things to talk about and um the buzzer going off, I guess well let's just mention any time we're doing a live stream we're shooting an episode what are we doing tommy
1: we're also we have a chat room going at the same time so the live streams a lot of fun but if you're not in the chat room you're missing 50 percent of the action yep yeah. and that's that's
0: what roughly half
1: <laughs> roughly <laughs> <Yeah>. roughly <laughs>
0: good thing you're a professor yeah <laughs> you didn't see you see how <laughs> quick it came to me <laughs> well uh, and speaking of the buzzer going off, which is where I was going to go before I kind of forgot about the chat room, I got an email here right after the last episode of Ham College. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's right. We got a little correction to make. Yeah. Going. You remember how we were talking about, the, we had the question about the serial ports. And did it use a, uh, what type of connector did it use? And the Yeah. The choice was a DE-9 yeah and I've always referred to it as a dB9 yeah, as, as same as everybody I know is always yeah. called it mm-hmm. a dB9. Well, uh, turns out DE9 may be correct, yeah I got an email here from well let's just show that connector while we're we're talking about it there. This came from Jim Grover N8 pzl He's an associate professor emeritus of Electrical and Computer Engineering. A fellow professor there, but a real one. Yeah. <laughs> you don't just play one on TV. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he says In the last episode of Ham College, you both made the common and classic mistake of calling a DE9 a DB9. For the subminiature D connectors, the second letter is the size, the number that follows the dash is the number of pins. See below for common connectors. And and there they are right there, I swear all of those I would call them DBs. Yeah. As a matter of fact, that that one is a DC thirty seven. I've been buying DB thirty seven connectors for two decades, and they're always
1: they always they always say
0: DB thirty seven F or DB thirty seven M. Really? Yeah. So apparently. We're not alone in uh, making the common and classic mistake. Well, that's why it's called common. Yep. Yeah. So. Uh, uh, that's anyway, interesting. I actually looked it up, Jim, and you're right. Yeah, it's a de nine, but yeah. I've gone all these years and never, never ran across that. So, brand you one on me. Yeah,
1: even a professor can learn something.
0: Yeah. Sure and enough. a dean. And a dean. That's pretty interesting. Yeah. Well, something else to mention here, and this, well, we're studying for the general here now. We covered the technician, and that's, I don't know, we finished that toward the end of last year, maybe? Yeah, uh, I don't yeah I think what so. episode? Right, but. It was around the end of the year. Yeah. Anyway, the new technician class pool for the exams went into, or goes into effect. July the 1st, so I think, what's that, Sunday? Mm -hmm. Uh, Yes, this coming Sunday. Yep, from hamstudy.org. There's a link there at the bottom if you want to look it up. Comparing the 2018 technician class pool and the 2014 technician class pool, they removed 63 questions from the 2014 pool. Yeah, there are 60 new questions. They updated 61 questions of the remaining ones. And uh, the previous total question pool was 426. And now it's only 423. I originally thought that we would go over some of those questions tonight, but surely it wasn't that many, but when I saw how many it was... um, Yeah, that's quite a a few. That's a good many. I think if you studied uh, the previous material for the technician class, you can probably pass the exam. Yeah. But if um, if you're still studying for your technician exam, well... Get the new question pool, start with it. As a matter of fact...
1: Unless you're going go to go Saturday uh, and yeah. take
0: your t- test. Go to hamstudy.org. Uh, the, the, actually, the page that we just showed you right there. You can find um, a, a list of all those questions. It would be a good... We, we recommend hamstudy.org anyway. Oh, absolutely. But this this is the only place I found that really spelled out what the changes were. Yeah. Yeah, they they got a great site. That's about all the stalling I can do, Tommy. I guess we're going to have to get right on into the, the real Go questions. ahead and
1: dust the buzzer off. What is the approximate bandwidth of a Pactor 3 signal at maximum data rate? A, 31.5 hertz. B, 500 hertz. C,
0: 1,800 hertz. Or D, 2,300 hertz. What is the approximate bandwidth of a pactor 3 signal? Maximum data rate. Pactor three, and I'm not a Pactor expert by any means. I don't You're not? think No. I I know it looked like you that. don't even play one on T V? No. Mm I think I actually played with Pactor back in the early nineties. Yeah. Once. Yeah. I I don't even know if anybody still uses it, apparently. Well, somebody must because the um, the study questions are just loaded with PACTOR yeah. questions in there. I don't understand it, but they're in there, so uh, there must be somebody that still uses it. But with it being PACTOR three, I'm going to say that's that's um, a more recent version of PACTOR. So probably things have speeded up on it. I don't think anybody in this university is using it. No, no one at this school. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, uh, this is just my, my reasoning here. So, I I think it's going to be a faster data rate. 31.5 hertz. You couldn't get much data across Pactor with that. So, I'm just going to just jump straight to the chase there. I, the more bandwidth you've got, the more data you can pass. That makes sense to you, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. So, on HF... I think we could pass... Well, I'm sure we could pass 2,300 hertz and still be within a single channel without... uh, You know, we wouldn't want to go much over that, but 2,300 hertz will still hold us within a a respectable bandwidth there. Yeah, because your filters filters actually kind of start around there. Yeah, depends on the rig. You know, some of them... uh, We'll go down from so there. That's but still,
1: but uh, the point was that's still in a,
0: within the... Yeah, it's still within the uh, typical Usable bandwidth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and you could cram the most data into it. So I'm just going to say it's 2300 hertz. What What do you think? Is that uh, flawed logic? Am I going no. too high? I don't
1: know. It. I think that's roughly where you can get an intelligible voice. I would think the data might take a little less, but
0: I'm Mm -hmm. not really sure. Well, looking at the chat room here, um, there could be a buzzer right now because everybody was guessing Mm -hmm. the other answers, although I did get a couple of Ds in there. Well, they're
1: kind of all over the place. Somebody said E. Yeah. And I'm thinking that's where
0: I'm going with it. Yeah, 3,000 hertz. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so fast, it's it's fall off the bottom of it. the list there. All right, twenty three hundred hertz. That's my final answer. Okay. There we go. Oh, you nailed it. Yeah. You get lucky sometimes. Yeah. <clears throat> I'm glad you got that one because I would have actually probably picked C. I almost picked C, and then I said, now nah, it's it's got to be D." And so mm-hmm. there you go. Well there Twenty-three hundred Hz or 2.3 kilohertz for Pactor 3 signal. Now I'll ask you a difficult one. Look, it's on PacTOR.
1: Oh wow, what are the
0: chances? In the Pactor protocol, what is meant by a NAC? It's NAK response to a transmitted packet. A the receiver is requesting the packet be retransmitted. B, the receiver is reporting the packet was received without error. The receiver is busy decoding the packet.
1: Or D, the entire file has been received correctly. Okay, so ACK is acknowledgement. Nack, I believe, was like a negative. A, the receiver is requesting the packet be retransmitted. B, the receiver reporting received here. error. are busy decoding. I think it's going to be A. The receiver is requesting the packet be retransmitted because if I remember right, NAC is is like that's the opposite of Ack. It's an mm-hmm. acknowledgement. It's like a failure. I didn't get all your data. Right. AC uh, so it sends it back. That one's good. Yeah. So NAC is uh, ne- the negative of that. So I think it's going to be A Alpha. Receivers requesting the packet be retransmitted.
0: Well, we've got a mix in the chat room again. Most of them are A, but there were several Bs and Ds in there, too. So I'm going to agree with you, Tommy. I'm I'm pretty sure it's A. And this is not really, NAC is not just a Pactor term. That's using a lot of that
1: Yeah, I, I remember phones. that stuff from the old programming days when yeah. we were playing around with that stuff and then uh, old modems, uh, telephone yeah. modems. There you go. Okay, so I got that one. I got I got lucky on that one. So far, so good. That's when being an old guy
0: paid off. <laughs> <laughs> you actually haven't heard of the, the term uh-huh. used before. Yeah. Well, hit me with one.
1: All right, how's this one? What symptoms may result from other signals interfering with a pactor or Windmore transmission? A, frequent retries or timeouts. B, long pauses in message transmission. C, failure to establish a connection between stations. Or
0: D, all of these choices are correct. Let's see. What symptoms may result from other signals interfering with the PACTOR or Winmore transmission? There's I, one I,
1: There's a new one, Winmore.
0: That's one I've, I have not heard of that one. You haven't heard of that one? Mm-mm. Have you? Yeah. I, I don't know much about it, but I've heard of it. So... If somebody else is interfering with the transmission there or other signals are, I think you're going to get frequent retries or timeouts. That, that would be a given. Mm-hmm. Uh, B, long pauses in message transmission. Well, yeah, I think you'd have long pauses too because yeah. you're going to have all those retries. Yeah, that's plausible for sure. Yeah. Uh, C, failure to establish a connection between stations. Well, that could happen too because mm-hmm. you can't hear the station you're trying mm-hmm. to hear for the other signals. So I'm going to say it's D. All of these choices are correct. Do you concur? I do do concur, Professor. And everybody, um, everybody got that one over in the chat room there. Everybody's saying it's D. Makes sense. Nailed it. Nailed it. Okay, one for you. What action results from a failure to exchange information due to excessive transmission attempts when using PACTOR or Winmore? A, the checksum overflows. B, the connection is dropped. C, package will be routed incorrectly.
1: Or D, encoding reverts to the default character set. I'm going to go ahead and take that one off the off the list of possible answers. That, that to does seem with.
0: pretty far-fixed, doesn't it?
1: Uh-huh. What action results from the
0: failure to
1: exchange information due to excessive transmission attempts? And using PacTor Winmore. So that's successive retries. That's that's basically going to time out. So checksum overflows doesn't make any sense to me. And there's no packets to be routed, so the connection is going to get dropped. If you have too many retries, it's going to time out and it's going to drop your connection. So it's got to be B. That's the only one that makes
0: any sense. And uh, just about everybody over there in the chat room is agreeing with you, and I do too. The connection has dropped. What is a checksum, Tommy? Have we talked about checksums before? Uh, we haven't.
1: We've mentioned it, but I don't think we've ever really talked about it. It's essentially, uh, if I remember right, it's basically there's a packet of data, and there's a little piece of math that's done against it, mm-hmm. and there's a number that uh, when you send it, Along with the checksum, then they can they can do the math on the receive packet and know that it's valid. Yeah. If you come back with a different answer after you run the little math algorithm on it, then then it's a bad packet, and you it, typically it'll request it to be sent again. And you get a knack. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Okay.
0: This uh, this all is very familiar stuff. This, yeah, it's
1: yes, like old telephone modem stuff. So it's yep. bringing back. I'm sitting here mm-hmm. having. Uh, 300-baud flashbacks here. Yeah. They're just coming at me kind (laughs) of (laughs) slow. Yeah. (laughs) 300-baud. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. How does forward error correction, or FEC, allow the receiver to correct errors and receive data packets? A, by controlling transmitter output power for optimum signal strength.
0: B, by using the VeriCode character set.
1: C, by transmitting redundant information with the data.
0: Or D, using a parity bit with each character. And I know the answer to this one, Tommy. Well, good. Uh, because I just had to deal with this at work. Oh, uh, yeah? Yep. We For some of our sites, we're sending data or the audio, to uh, the transmitter site using the Internet. Not Most of them we don't. The bigger stations we don't, but some of our smaller ones, we're using the Internet to transport audio data. Mm-hmm. It uses the UDP protocol, which has nothing to do with this question right here, but that means you send out packets. If the packets don't get there with UDP, there's no NAC or ACK. Going on with UDP, you're just yeah, you're blasting just blasting
1: packets. it out there and hoping somebody's going to get it.
0: Yeah, because you're trying to get them there fast, and you don't have time to wait for a response. So when you send data like that, there could be some errors in there, and we were having that. We were having packets lost on the internet connection intermittently. So I had to enable forward error correction on the Kodak's there, and so I know what that does. When you enable forward error correction, well, let's, let's go over them. We'll start at the top there. By controlling transmitter output power for optimum signal level. No. That, that has nothing to do with it. By using the Veracode character set. I think they use Veracode for PSK-31, mm-hmm. don't they? Mm-hmm. And that's just to, um, to send less data. Right. They, they use less bits. It's nothing to do with forward error correction. If you look down there at D... By using a parity bit with each character? Uh, No, that's not the answer either. But if you look at C there by transmitting redundant information with the data, there's your answer right there. It's C. Because what you do, you send the packet that you want to send, and then you Mm -hmm. send more data with it that is a duplicate of some that you just sent, and you hope if it didn't see it the first time, it'll grab it the second time and reassemble it huh. to make the uh, the original packet that you wanted. Interesting. So I say it's C. Most folks in the chat room there are saying C. There is some, some A's and D's too, though. But, uh, I'm saying C. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, that's, that's the only one I see that really seems like it would
1: probably fit, too. Well, let's see if I'm correct. There you go. Got it again, Mr. Wizard.
0: You know, I just had to do this, so it would have been pretty bad if I missed it. <laughs> do you time for your career change? Yeah. How does a receiving station respond to an ARC, I believe that's how you pronounce it, RQ, data mode packet containing errors? A, it terminates the contact.
1: B, it requests the packet be retransmitted c it sends the packet back to the transmitting station, or d it requests a change in transmitting protocol okay, how does a receiving station the receiving station mm-hmm. respond to an arc data mode packet containing errors? It requests the packet be. retransmitted terminates the context not the answer and request a change in the transmitting protocol that doesn't that's not the answer either request the packet be retransmitted or since the back the receiving station okay you request the packet be retransmitted it's going to be B it's going to be B why wouldn't it be C because it's not the sending station it's the receiving
0: station okay and there wouldn't be any point in sending the data back. That'd just be right. wasting bandwidth. Huh? There you go.
1: Okay. So if you don't, even if you don't know PACTOR, if you know just a little bit about some of that stuff, you can reason, still reason some of yeah. them out. Because when I saw we had packed Torwens, I thought that buzzer was going to be going
0: off all over. I brought some earplugs to (laughs) keep the... (laughs) Yeah. Well, I was going to get my gloves out because, you know, my finger's going to warm up. Of course, we're not finished yet. No, we're not. Well, hit me with one.
1: Okay. Which of the following is an advantage of a transceiver controlled by a direct digital synthesizer, or DDS? A... Wide tuning range and no need for band switching. B,
0: relatively high power level. Or output. Or S- output, yeah. C,
1: relatively low power consumption.
0: <laughs> <laughs> D, variable frequency with the stability of a crystal oscillator. Which of the following is an advantage of a transceiver controlled by direct digital synthesis, DDS? Well, I know the answer to this one. Uh, A, a wide tuning range with no need for band switching. Well, the uh, DDS unit wouldn't need to band switch, but some other part of the transmitter uh, still probably needs to band switch uh b relatively high output power it wouldn't have anything to do with the output power this is the oscillator mm-hmm. c relatively low power consumption maybe but if you think about it a crystal really doesn't consume much power either yeah so it, uh, it maybe no not, maybe there. less it's d variable frequency with the stability of a crystal oscillator that is a huge advantage of dds is you got a little chip and or a little module and it can give you a really stable frequency and it's variable there uh well let's go ahead and just look and be sure that's right uh mostly d's we did have a c in there but it's it's so that's D.
1: basically a vfo
0: Yep. there are actually some kits now available and a lot of people are building them themselves on the older rigs to run them with uh, direct digital synthesis so it gives them a more f- uh, stable oh. frequency because you know a lot of the little swans and stuff would drift and if you're talking with somebody on sideband that can get mm-hmm. you know, I've seen I've seen noise. some of those kits yeah
1: it's been a while since I've seen some but I've seen them in the past
0: Yep, they they're inexpensive it's a, you know it's a good option
1: mhm I've seen some
0: a few rigs at the Hamfest before with those yep. coming along with them. Well, I bet you don't know the answer to this one. What is meant by the term software-defined radio, hmm. SDR? <laughs> it's A, a radio in which most major signal processing functions are performed by software. Or B, a radio that provides computer interface for automatic logging of band and frequency. C, a radio that uses crystal filters designed using software. Or D,
1: a computer model that can simulate performance of a radio to aid in the design process.
0: Well, that's a tough one, those answers.
1: Yeah, software-defined radio. So I'm just going to go ahead and go, because we, you, everybody pretty much ought to know what that one is. It's a radio in which most signal processing functions are performed by software A. Okay. So you're saying it's straight a. for the straight for the answer.
0: Okay. Uh, everybody's agreeing with you over there, even uh, uh, Canadians, eh? Eh? <laughs> uh, that's what Tom said.
1: Yeah. And they're pretty awesome. Yeah. As a matter of fact, you know, Icom kind of—I guess they sort of started. Well, they didn't start it, but their, their latest rigs are based off of SDR too. We've yeah. shown them on here before. Yeah, the two of the
0: most recent ones. And uh,
1: yeah, it's pretty cool stuff.
0: Yeah. It is. It's a great, great new technology. Mm-hmm. Heard it, worked it, logged it. It's time to get the transceiver that's best suited for your lifestyle. Icom offers a variety of high-performance and innovative products. See how you can make the most out of contest season with these transceivers. The competitive edge you've been looking for, raise the bar and hear what others cannot with this flagship HF50MHz transceiver, the IC7851. Reciprocal mixing dynamic range, crystal clear local oscillator design, spectrum scope, dual receivers, and digital voice recorder. The IC7610 is the SDR every ham wants and just in time for contesting season. This high-performance SDR has the ability to pick out the faintest signals, even in the presence of stronger adjacent signals. The new ICOM IC7610 is a direct sampling, software-defined radio that will change the world's definition of a SDR transceiver. RF direct sampling, 110 RMDR, independent dual receiver, dual digicell. IC7300 is changing the way entry-level HF is designed. This high-performance, innovative HF transceiver with a compact design will far exceed your expectations. RF direct sampling, 15 discrete bandpass filters, large 4.3-inch color touchscreen, real-time spectrum scope, and SD memory card slot. Visit icomamerica.com amateur for more information on all the great ICOM radios
1: it's about that time to uh give away some icom swag seems how we just saw the spot from icom yeah we actually got a, dark a
0: back there whoa we'll turn yeah. the lights out
1: we've got a uh, new model cap remember the other one was just solid black
0: and that one comes with the internet on it doesn't it It sure
1: does got the internet on the back of it
0: Icomamerica.com,
1: and then we've got the nice icom ham crew t-shirt which I wore mine last month on here. I finally got one back. Mm-hmm. Looks just as good going to the ham <laughs> as you will when you leave. Yeah.
0: Except you'll have a radio under your arm. when you And a ball cap on. Yep. And there's more swag in that Jesse sticks in that package, too. It's not... Yeah. Not oh, yeah. He sends it all kind of head. cool stuff in
1: there. Yeah. But, uh...
0: So, if... A- if I wanted one of those, Tommy, how would I, I get a prize package Well, like it's that? really
1: pretty easy. You don't even have to be a ham to, to get your name into the hat, to <laughs> to win the hat. Uh, just send your email. Uh, send an email to hamcollege at tv. All you need is a name and an email address. You don't even have to have a call sign. Yeah, And uh, that'll put you in the drawing for next month.
0: Just... Um... Tell us whatever you want to tell us. Be nice. But all you are yeah, to yeah, name and email address. If you got a call sign, you can stick it in there. If you want to give us a word of encouragement, you can stick that in there. If you want to tell us we're wrong about the DB9 connectors, you can even do that. Or, the, or we're right about the
1: DE9 connectors. There you go. Because we will be on. next time.
0: Yep. Probably. So if you want your... Your swag package, that's what you do. And as a matter of fact, one of our friends here, I, I think... Is that friend in the chat room here tonight, Tommy? Um, we just drew the name a few minutes ago.
1: I know uh,
0: someone that knows that friend is in there. Well, then that's good enough. Then we know the friend is in there, too. Yep. But we didn't pick the name because it was a friend. Or did we? <laughs> No. <laughs> no, actually it's all uh, fair and square. It's all fair and square. And this week's winner is Kelly Cantwell, K E Zero E. W. K. Congratulations. Kelly.
1: Kelly. And uh, you'll be hearing from ICOM mm-hmm.
0: very soon. She sent us an email and that's all it had in it was Kelly Cantwell, K E Zero E. W. K. But that's all you gotta have. That's a, well, you don't even need to have need So she went overboard there. She did, but uh, yep. that's okay. Yep. She's an overachiever. There was a smiley face on there, too, and we figured that's good for at least two words. Yeah,
1: we appreciate those as well. Yep.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I, I thought she was there, Marty. That's uh, Marty's wife. And, yeah. Uh, they're always in the chat room watching live, and uh, good people there. We, we yeah. enjoy having them on board. Yeah, congratulations, Kelly. You know, last month's winter was Mo. You remember Mo? I do remember Mo. Mo actually he sent us him. a photo. Yeah. And he said we could share his mug. Yeah. Looking good, Mo. It
1: sure is. And he's got the new model cap as well. Yeah, he does. So that's what you'll be getting. One thing I wanted to mention too is uh if you if you haven't won and you've entered your name, you have to enter each month. Yes. So just send it back again if you didn't win mm-hmm. it, and you want one and uh, you'll go into the drawing again for next month.
0: Yeah, because somebody's going to win it. It might as well be you. And
1: yeah, we don't we don't keep those emails if we, as we have mentioned before. So that whole <clears throat> excuse me that whole email list gets cleared out.
0: Yeah, and I can't we even, start over clean. I can't even remember who won the last two months. You know, Mo. I've got already. We don't <laughs> we don't keep that. So. Anyway, congratulations, Kelly and Mo. What happens
1: to the feed point impedance? I'm glad you got this one. What happens to the feed point impedance of a ground plane antenna when its radials are changed from horizontal to sloping downward?
0: Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, I think that's right, too. But you know what just happened?
1: We uh, just read
0: the last Pactor question on the exam. Did we? That's it. Yeah, there's no more PacTor oh, questions Oh, wow. On and that. they were just getting good, too. Yeah. I think, as a matter of fact, I think that was all the digital modes questions. That really? That completed. Yep. Wow.
1: So. I really expected to get buzzed. When I saw that the topic was PacTor, I just knew the buzzer was going to go off. Yeah. But uh, most of it was just basically like old
0: school. Uh, Data communications. Yeah. So what happens to the feed-point impedance of a ground-plane antenna when its radials are changed from horizontal to sloping downward? A, it decreases. B, it increases. C, it stays the same. Or
1: D, it reaches a maximum at an angle of 45 degrees.
0: Well, I think i got some splaining to do. <clears throat> a ground-plane antenna has got a vertical radiator. That's a little straighter than the one I drew there. Unless it's been bent. Well the wind's blowing. Yep. And then they're saying with the um with the ground radials or the ground plane coming out straight at a horizontal angle. When you've got a ground plane antenna like that and the and the radials come straight out on the sides of it, that feed point impedance down here is gonna be twenty five ohms. Okay. So it's not fifty ohms at all. Now, what if we bend those radials down, come more toward a uh, forty-five degree angle?
1: Well, is it, it
0: going to increase or decrease? Well, that? if
1: it's if it was twenty-five ohms before, I'm going to say it's going to increase.
0: Okay, so you don't think it's going to stay the same? No, you're saying I'm it's I'm thinking increasing. it's going to increase. Okay. So, what it actually does—we're looking for fifty—is it increases it? To about 50 ohms.
1: I have seen uh,
0: antennas that they are vertical. Well, yeah, horizontal. are kind of flat like that, yeah. But on, say, a typical quarter-wave ground plane, quarter-wave length toll, you know, those that you build, you always, th- mm-hmm. they are rank- angled down, and that's to get the impedance right. And so, yeah, the answer is going to be it increases. What are they saying in the chat room? They're saying magic drawing board. They're uh. not answering. Yeah, it either was an A or a B according to the chat room there. Most of them were having fun looking at my scribbling. So the real answer, it increases. Just just like we demonstrated right there. And now you know why. No. You just know, no, just know it does. just know it does. So that's. Tom all. wants to know
1: if he can change his answer.
0: Only if you yeah. use pencil. Yeah, if you used a pencil, you can go back and change it before you turn it in. <laughs> that's true. As a matter of fact, you know, I I uh, attended and helped administer the exam a few weeks ago. Yeah, you sure did. First time I had done it in a while. It was fun. Yeah, I, I need to go volunteer
1: for one of those. Yep. It's been a good while. Supposed to do aren't you supposed to do so many? Yeah, you, it's so often I think you Yeah, I'm you probably to about to get right. my
0: VE credentials yanked. Yeah. You could lose your street cred. Yeah. What is the approximate length of a quarterway vertical antenna cut for twenty eight point five megahertz? Is it A eight feet? B eleven feet. C sixteen feet. Or D twenty one feet.
1: I'm gonna cheat.
0: Oh, you can. You can't use a calculator. I mean, a a cell phone. But I can use calculator. Yeah, but you can't use a cell. They won't let you use a cell phone because we run into that. Well, I don't have. That's all I've got here. Well, you still can't use it. That's not allowed. It is. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's not. Because we we uh, told a guy at the exam he couldn't use his cell phone. You're going to use it anyway. I'm going to tell you how I figured it out after you tell me how you figured it or, yeah, It's A. It's A. So you're saying it's eight feet? Roughly. Not
1: exactly, but yeah. yeah.
0: We've got some A's and B's in there. I see somebody, though, figured it out the same way that I did. Um, I'm going to agree with you. It's A. Okay. And there you go. And the way, w- tell us how you figured it out. What did you do?
1: I did uh, 468 divided by the megahertz. By divide, 28.5? And then, <clears throat> yeah, then that gives you a half wave. And I did divided by 2 for a quarter wave. It gave me 8 point something.
0: Yep. yep. The way I figured it out, now this will only work with this particular question, it wouldn't work on, on a lot of others. But I just happen to know that a CB antenna quip is 102 inches. Mm-hmm. All right, so that's close to 9 feet.
1: Right. Oh, yeah. All right.
0: That'll you pretty close. And I happen to know that 11 meters is where CB is, and 28.5 is 10 meters. Uh-huh. So we went up a little bit in frequency. So you ballparked it. So I knew that the antenna was going to be shorter than that 9-foot CB whip, so the choice was obvious, 8. G- guesstimation. Yep. And Bill in there in the chat room mentioned the CB antenna being 102 inches and that 10 meters is shorter. Yep, there you right. go, but the way you did it is really the way you should do it because, the, you know, the question may not be uh, so simple or, or with these particular frequencies.
1: Yeah, we we did this same thing uh, yeah. a few months back, basically. Yeah. Two or three, I think.
0: Yeah,
1: and we might do it again. <coughs> oh, I'm sure it'll come up. Where should the radial wires of a ground-mounted vertical antenna system be placed? A, as high as possible above the ground. B. Parallel to the antenna element. C. On the surface of the earth or buried a few inches below the ground.
0: Or D. At the center of the antenna. Now, I happen to know the answer to this one. Mm-hmm.
1: There's one thing there you got to keep and pay attention to or it'll throw you off. Oh, really? Yeah, I'm sure you're right, though. The fact that it's ground-mounted. Aha. Uh-huh.
0: That is a good good answer there. Or, or a good thing to keep in mind. So, A, as high as possible above the ground. No, it wouldn't be ground radius that's, right, yeah, so that's a, yeah, As high right. as possible. I mean, that could be taller than the antenna, if you follow that logic. B, parallel to the antenna element. No, if uh, if it's a vertical antenna, you wouldn't want your ground wires going up beside it. That that wouldn't be good. D at the center of the antenna. Well, no, you wouldn't want the ground ground wires in the center of the antenna. C on the surface of the earth or buried a few inches below the ground. That's your answer right there. Everybody got that in the chat room. Yeah, and you, I'm sure you knew that one like Well, I did. When it unfolded. Kind of being a broadcast engineer, I've, I've dug up yeah. a few ground radials. Yeah, if you
1: didn't get that one, you were gonna, I was going to say you're another candidate for another career change, too. Yeah. But uh,
0: luckily, that was job yeah. security for you right there. I uh, will tell you something interesting about that that's not really mentioned in this question. Uh, well, I'll tell you a couple of things. Actually, they a few years ago it was starting to become popular to elevate the ground systems on some AM stations. They would put posts up out there nine feet in the yep. air, and they would run the ground radials out on that. And I don't remember the logic to it right now, but apparently, it really didn't help things out because nobody does that anymore.
1: Yeah, but well, there well, are a few were well, built. That was.
0: In. I I'm guessing maybe there was some kind of problem with the ground and it wasn't really possible to maybe rocky soil or something. Hmm. But the answer there is you run them on the surface of the earth or buried a few inches below the ground. So if you've got a vertical antenna if you're going to lay your radials out on the ground, you're going to need those radials cut depending on the wavelength of that antenna, is going to determine the length of your radials. Mm-hmm. So if, if you've got a quarter-wave antenna, you're going to want your, your radials to you know, go out uh, mathematically, depending on that. if you bury those radials, though, they don't have to be the exact mathematical length for, for that frequency. So it it changes it that way a little bit. Uh, On top of the earth, yeah, they've got to be an exact length. If you bury them, that's not as critical. So if I had a multiband antenna, say, for uh, 10 meters and 20 meters, I'm going to have to cut a set of ground radials for the 10 meter, and I'm going to have to cut another set a little bit shorter for the 20 meters. Oh, yeah. But if I bury it, then, then I don't really have to do that.
1: Then you'd probably get by with just one set. Yeah. Yep. For 15.
0: Yep. So there you go.
1: That's pretty interesting.
0: All right. Which HF antenna would be the best to use for minimizing interference? Is it A, a quarter wave vertical antenna? B, an isotropic antenna? C, a
1: directional antenna? Or D, an omnidirectional antenna. Um, it's it's not going to be an omnidirectional antenna. Quarter wave, okay. a quarter a, a quarter wave might might help because it's not going to receive quite as good as a half wave. Yeah. <laughs> but that's not the answer. I think I think the answer is going to be C, a directional antenna, so you can get some rejection from the back side of it.
0: So you're pointing it in a particular direction. Yeah, right. So you, exactly. Well, um, there were some mixed answers in there. Most people said it was C. I'm going to agree with you. A directional antenna.
1: Are we going to have an intermission?
0: We are going to have an intermission. I'm trying yeah, to figure out where we are. we am going to have
1: to go run and uh, get something out of the back of my. Vehicle. As a matter of
0: fact, it's getting hot in here. I, I want to turn on the air conditioner for about four and a half minutes well, okay that sounds good so we're going to take a little break get a message from some great folks to study for your next amateur exam with matter of fact we mentioned them earlier and i don't know maybe we'll have a little something fun to look at too. Yeah. maybe we'll do some acting and knacking or some old some stuff show here. and tell yeah are you new to the ham world or an existing amateur operator who wants to take your license to the next level Study for your radio license exam at hamstudy.org. Hamstudy.org is a free online learning tool powered by ICOM. It was created by Richard Bateman, KD7BBC, Michael Stufflebeam KV9G, and Rich Porter, KK6GKE. And it uses a modern web design to enhance the experience of studying for your technician, general, and amateur extra exams. Since 2013, hamstudy.org has helped new and existing hams to familiarize themselves with the question pools, use stats-based flashcards to focus on material they need to learn, and take practice exams to gauge progress. Visit hamstudy.org on your desktop computer or mobile device. Register for a free account at hamstudy.org to access personalized study history and other site features. Prepare for an exam in an intuitive and comprehensive manner. Check out hamstudy.org, powered by ICOM, for free learning tools. Good luck on your next exam. I'm more
2: 64 lets you play hundreds more games with any video machine, plus draw, program, even do music. Frisbees are fun. Just about any nice day, you'll find people in almost any park enjoying frisbees. But some people have never seen super elastic bubble plastic. That's right, plastic bubbles from a tube. Just squeeze it out and blow it up. They're beautiful. Kids of all ages enjoy super elastic bubble plastic. It's just as much fun as frisbees. Frisbees and super elastic bubble plastic sold separately from Wemo. Hi everybody. This is Joe Walsh. One thing I do when I'm not playing rock and roll is get on the air as an amateur radio operator. Also called Ham Radio, is a communication service provided by ordinary people just like you and me. We have a national emergency communication system in place, 24-7, 365. We provide local and regional assistance when any part of the grid goes down. We help fire and police, families, hospitals, schools, handicapped, injured. At community events, sports, races, parades, gatherings, and celebrations, we provide free communications to help people and keep them safe. Find out more about Amateur Radio at ARRL.org slash whatishamradio. See you on the air.
0: Our old buddy Joe. Yep. Rock and roll ambassador of ham radio.
1: Absolutely. Good good spokesperson for it. Yep. The uh the super elastic bubble plastic that brought back some old memories. We used it to did, have that stuff. Yeah. That, you know, that stuff was probably not very healthy either because no. don't you
0: remember the strong chemical smell that was with that stuff? It was probably highly toxic, uh-huh. for the reason that you hear the buzzer some nights on the show here. Yeah, it could be.
1: <laughs> so we used to play with that stuff right before the mosquito truck used to come through the neighborhood and we chased
0: it. Yeah, we had to put down plastic then to, yeah. to, to chase the DDT machine. Yep. Which statement about a three-element single-band Yagi antenna is true? A, the reflector is normally the shortest element.
1: Uh, B, the director is normally the shortest element. C, the driven element is the longest element. Or D, low feed point impedance increases
0: bandwidth. Why don't you get your antenna up here and let's look at it? You just happen to have brought a yagi with you tonight. You carry one in your truck, don't you?
1: Yeah, it's in my toolbox because yeah. it's made out of tools.
0: That's a yeah a tape measure yagi. Yep. And this one, this model right here, goes from what one inch to 115.
1: Yeah, I've got uh, I've got the counterpart still laying on the shop uh, table out there. I've yeah. been. It's been on eBay for years, a couple of years now. Nobody's bought it. Nobody's that, interested. The, in the other tape half, measure a, a half a tape at, measure. Yeah.
0: Well, if it started at you know 116 inches, we don't even know where that'd be resonant. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So that's a yagi. All right. Tell us about what element is which on here. Well,
1: this There's three. It happens yeah. to
0: be three elements. Okay.
1: So we've got uh, reflector. I think that's going to be the largest one here in mm-hmm. the back. The driven element is going to be the one in the middle that's connected to the feed line. Well, they, yeah. The yeah and that's right where you're here.
0: driving this one with power. Yeah, right.
1: And then the director, or, uh, yeah, I'm having, the director. yeah, the director, I'm having, it's the shortest one on the end right there. So
0: if you hold it down, it's kind of I'm hard thinking, to see.
1: Yeah. You can only get the ones that you can see through at
0: Harbor Freight. Yeah. <laughs> They're that thin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> razor, razor thin. Okay. All right. So this one is reflector. The reflector. And this one is driven element. The driven element. And this one is? The director. Okay. All right. And I noticed something else about this antenna. As long as we got it here, I know we're putting off answering the question course that one's that one's the longest. That one's in the middle, that one's the shortest. These two, if I hold it up a little bit, you see they go, it's just one solid length there. Uh-huh. Alright. This one, you, you split it in the middle. Yeah. Also your coaxes broke off so you might want to solder that back uh, before yeah. you try to transmit. But I'm you, sure. you've got a little, uh, what is that, a gamma match? Yeah. Is that what you call that? Yeah, but one, a one side pin. of you, coax goes on one element, one half of it, and the, the uh, center conductor goes on the other, the top half there. Yeah. So that's like two different pieces there. That's That reminds me of another type of antenna. If I just had this, this, and the coax, I think yeah. I'd have a halfway dipole. A uh, dipole. Yeah, And then this one is, is one solid element. So, that's your uh, your tape measure Yagi. And the thing, it really works, doesn't it? Yeah, it works really good. Um, to adjust the
1: SWR on it, you actually change the distance between here. To tweak yeah, it a little bit. Well, you can trim it, too, yep. but then you can yep. fine-tune it there also. And, yeah, I didn't notice that. It, it uh, got knocked off in my... My building where I store it, it yeah. usually stays hanging. It must have hit something. I'll have to fix yeah. that when I take it back on. So
0: what do you think the answer is there?
1: Well, the reflector is normally the shortest element. That's not going to be right because the reflector is clearly the longest one. Yeah. The director is normally the shortest element. And That's this one. Yeah. Well, looks like that might be the case, doesn't it? Yeah. Although it's kind of hard to see it right there. Yeah, it, it is slightly shorter, uh-huh. but not not by a lot. But it is shorter. Yeah. Okay. That's so. That's true. See, see, the driven element is the longest, that's and that's one. not true because this one's clearly longer. Yeah. Low feed point impedance increases bandwidth. The answer is going to be B. The director is normally the shortest element yeah. right here,
0: and uh, so I'm going with B. Well, I'm going to agree with you, and. Uh Yeah, everybody over in the chat room pretty much is saying it's B. There you go. So with you calling this one the reflector and this one the director, I'm going to guess you're shooting the signal this way. Yep. you're right. So you've just got a half-wave dipole here, and you're bouncing it off that one back this way, and then you're sucking it up and pulling it more this way with this one. Yep.
1: And i'm the only thing I'm gonna have to can say is I'm gonna have to get this PVC back home and hook the washing machine back up when we finish <laughs> yeah. later because yeah. Sabrina's gonna want to wash some clothes later. So it's important the length of each of these.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Yeah, and they're great. It's important how far apart they are too. Isn't it?
1: it is every one of the measurements on here was important, and the spacing between this mm-hmm. one's important, and the length of that little the length one. of that piece yeah. of wire is, yeah. is critical. There. Otherwise, you'll never get the match. The PR. Yep. Cool, but it was fun. It was easy to make, It only cost a couple bucks. And uh, yeah, if
0: if you're looking for a project, I would recommend doing. Yeah, that Yeah, it's one. a good project. It'd yeah. be great for um, doing fox hunts, wouldn't it? Cause you could just roll that uh-huh. up,
1: and uh, if you uh, got a APRS radio, whatever, you can do sa- mm-hmm. receive satellites or the space station stuff when it comes. Yeah. Oops, I almost dropped it again. Yeah.
0: That'd be another good Across- use of it. Yeah. Okay. I think we
1: got a it's couple actually, more. It's actually idea. a
0: good camping antenna too, because it, it doesn't is, take yeah.
1: much space. You can stick it on pretty much anything. You Hose clamp it to something mm-hmm. and, and point it towards the repeater. Well, Why don't you ask me this one? Alright, I think I will. <clears throat> After I worked so hard on that one. What's the approximate length of the driven element of a Yagi antenna? A. One quarter wavelength. B. One half wavelength.
0: C. Three quarter wavelength. Or D. One wavelength. Well, I think I just said what the answer was. The the driven element there, that's just a half wave dipole. hmm. Just like you took Two quarter-way pieces of wire and, yeah, t- put, you know, attach your feet in the center of them there. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Everybody's getting that one over in the chat room. So that's really simple when you think about it. It's just a dipole, and then you're using these other elements mm-hmm. to direct the signal. So, yeah, it's a half-wave dipole. You nailed and it. And one final question here. One for the (coughs) road. You might get this one. Maybe. I don't know. It may be new information to you. Which statement about a three-element single band Yagi antenna is true? A, the reflector is normally the longest element. B, the director is normally the longest element. C, the reflector is normally the shortest element.
1: Or D, all of the elements must be the same length. Not if you want for it to work. The reflector is normally the longest element. Where well, we just we just saw that, didn't we? Yeah, I think we did. So that's got to be right. I don't even really need to go any farther. But the the director is normally the longest. But well, that's not true. And the reflector is normally the shortest. That's not true.
0: So the answer is A. A. Well, everybody's saying A over in the chat room, so I, th- I think you're in good company there. The reflector is normally the longest element. Can't argue with that. Can't argue with that. We just showed it. Yep. And we can actually turn it,
1: o- turn it over and measure it to prove it.
0: We can't measure measurements it. on the back. Yep.
1: Well, I tell
0: you what, that's all the questions for <clears> tonight.
1: I can't believe we made it through without getting a buzzer one time. Because I, I honestly thought we were going to get the buzzer on the Pack Tour stuff.
0: Email actually gave us a buzzer in the chat room over there. But, you know, I didn't hear anything. Um, triple buzzer. Buzzer, yeah. buzzer, buzzer. Yep. From Cheap Cheap. <laughs> it has been a lot of fun, as always. It has been fun. i got to go home and pack for vacation. You do? National Lampoon's vacation?
1: May as well be. Yeah.
0: We need to do an episode of Amateur Logics Vacation one year. Yeah. Yeah. That I don't know what it would be, fun. but with we email alone, We need to do speech, some more skits. Cheap, cheap vacation. Yeah. I really like that one that we did in that episode in the pre-show tonight. I had forgotten all about that. Yeah, the that. end of the world. Now. I'm telling yeah. you,
1: I, I didn't remember it. I'm like, where was I? And you said, oh, you were around, and the next thing I knew, I heard myself on there. I yeah. kind of forgot all about doing that.
0: I had, too. And that was Emil's brainchild there. He's the one yeah. that came up with that idea. Yeah, well, that was a good one, Emil. Yep. Yeah. All Is right. It, Everyone have a, uh, a good month or a good couple of weeks, and have, we'll be back with Amateur Logic. Yeah, have, have a good,
1: say, 4th of July. All right. Yeah. Happy 4th. Yep. Yeah. We'll see you uh, a couple of weeks on Amateur Logic. 73. 73.
0: Comprehensive matter. Check out. <laughs> <laughs> You're not gonna guess. What what happened? Uh, <laughs> Tommy just just came back in. He had to go get something. He bumped the corner of the Surface Pro. It fell over. The keyboard closed, so it shut down, and the video quit. So that's what we were cracking up about.